Welcome everyone, this is the 31 Days of Dread, and I am your host, Peter A. DeLuca, aka Pad, and this is where we do one horror movie a day for the entire month of October. That's 30, if you can't count, that's 31 movies celebrating the greatest genre of them all, the greatest experimentational platform of them all, the greatest young filmmaker discoverer of them all. It is horror, 31 days coming at you. Look out, ghouls and ghosts, it gets spooky. Alright everyone, coming out of that intro hot, this is what I call the telethon portion of the podcast. This is where I pitch myself to you for your support. Your support means everything to me because we're, we're, we're fighting. The AKA Pad Army is fighting against algorithms everywhere algorithms I, I ate some cereal earlier today i dumped it into my bowl and it was full of algorithms okay bad joke all right sharing this podcast telling your friends about it leaving comments leaving reviews this is how we grow aka pads audio audacity your support there is more valuable than than than, than anything other than like a high five in person because i'd love a high five in person I'll tell you, AK Patters. Welcome to your 31 Days of Dread. Peter A. DeLuca here. Day 9 on Day 11. That's right. We fell behind. And uh, here's, here's the crazy thing. Today is Columbus Day. So, happy Columbus Day. I actually went into the office today to do some work. Um, and then, like, no one was there. So, so that was that. That was a lot of time burned today but here we are we're talking the wicker man 2006 remake from the 1973 masterpiece it is the citizen kane of horror movies it really is next to the exorcist wicker and the exorcist are your top two horror movies of all time rosemary's baby comes in maybe add like a number three so we get this remake and we've had like attempts of remaking The Exorcist and the many forms, um, the demonic possession movies, very prevalent. Uh, you know, James Wan, the first few days of the 31 Days of Dread, we, we touch on a lot of these demonic possession movies, emphasis on the demon part of that. Rituals, um, you know, like like a Faustus, a, um, a Blood Moon, Honoring the ancients so our crops can grow, so we can uh, live in glory and have the fruits of our labors pay off. Because, like, you know, like, even even if you make a sacrifice to a, a god in these movies and the god rewards you by giving you good crops, you still have to do a lot of work. I mean, you have to harvest these crops. <laughs> and so... We don't get a lot of these movies anymore because, like, here's the funny thing. Because I think the, even that concept is a bad idea that, that you know, like, people aren't welcoming of it. This is, we saw this in Midsommar. The God part of Midsommar, gone. No emphasis. The movie doesn't have an anchor, probably because of that. 
we can go on and on about exactly what works in Midsommar and what doesn't. And in this movie, so we have this like this swerve from the 1973 movie. And this is why watching remakes and having remakes is important. No one talks about the importance of remakes. They don't. Remakes can show us like within two, within three generations, why something is important and why something is significant. So that's really where we are with this movie. This is a middle tier movie. It's not, it's not a, this horrible experience. Like (laughs) it's not, it's a middle tier movie that doesn't quite sell you the ideas. It doesn't quite sell you the trippiness the anxiety um you know like the the grinding of your teeth waiting to to kind of see what happens the and part of the problem with this movie is if you i mean it, it kind of makes me want to watch it again because if you're coming from the the position of knowing about the 1973 movie you know that they're going to trick nicholas cage right if I sat down to watch this movie again and really got that idea out of my head, you know, like uh, like a flashy thingy thing, zap it men in black style and watch this movie from the position of not knowing about the original, would I have been surprised? Would uh, I probably would have. Now, there's a another version of this movie that's uh extended cut i i would have to believe that one is a little bit more violent there uh, there's some audio of them like potentially breaking nicholas cage's legs at the end of this movie and the camera kind of like pans away you know like so that could not be there uh nicholas cage is also in the bear suit which is another midsummer referenced <laughs> um like the the wrap-up for this movie which really the wrap-up of the 1973 movie right like that sticks with you uh, the only flaw was not having this idea of flourishing crops i really think that's how that movie should end it should just end it with footage of just like crops being like harvested and and everyone you know like this thing worked like the ritual the sacrifice worked and the hook of the movie is we investigate a disappearance of a girl a whole town is weird just a weird town and you we chip away at the revelation of what could have happened to the girl that the girl was sacrificed that the girl's still alive we have to save the girl we have to get the girl out and and in doing so this uh like quest we'll say that our protagonist is on for this movie it's the great nicholas cage his quest um he exposes himself to willingly participating in the ritual and setting himself up for the eventual sacrifice so he is the sacrifice i mean it's a good trope it's a great hook for the movie and what we need to see more in this remake, uh, it, it needs to be bloodier, more violent. Uh, it, it needs to get cranked up. That's what Midsommar did right. 
you know, it was like nudity, violence, crank it up. Now, a lot of times we, we can't do this in movies because of how it's financed, how the distribution is already set up. Keep in mind, movies like this only get insured and financed when actors with the prominence, okay, the pull of Nicolas Cage. Okay, Nicolas Cage himself can greenlight a movie. So, he's dealing with a writer-director, Neil LeBlut, who uh, made a bunch of movies that I've heard of that I've never seen, starting in 1997 with the company, In the Company of Men. Uh, I, I believe I did see Lakeview Terrace. Uh, he's straight-up director for that, but he's mostly a writer-director. The Shape of Things, Nurse Betty, Possession, Death at a Funeral, which I heard good things about. And some Velvet Morning, which I'm very curious about. It's Saint Stanley Tucci. Looks like that's just is is in like a like a like a creepy love affair type movie. Uh, he is compared to a David Mamet, uh, prolific short filmmaker, also, which I'd love to see. So we have a guy that's fully capable of writing it and directing it. And then, uh, you know, in... See, so this is where a lot of times I get confused. I get a little rattled while I'm watching the movie because, like, do I take the position of respecting the filmmaker, respecting that this person can do it, based just based on the filmography, right? Like, it's they have a legit filmography... I don't have to see any or all of the movies. The filmography speaks for itself. Do I respect a filmmaker based on that? Or do I judge what's immediately in front of me and put that against every single other film that I think was good like as I'm watching it? You know, like do I just uh like take a mental break and just say, oh, the acting stinks or this shot isn't set up right, which you really could never see. This movie has wonderful shots, beautiful shots. Um, the first movie was designed around like crops. This is more like bee harvesting. So there's a lot of bee iconography, iconography, like honeycombs and, and all this stuff. The trippy parts of this movie don't land. It's almost like part shining. At sometimes, the quest part doesn't hit. The revelation doesn't hit. The final sacrifice doesn't hit. Some of the actresses are miscast because they're they're too beautiful. There's maybe not enough men within this village. Uh, it, it does look like that the men are under some type of spell in this movie. So we have a lot of things happening. Okay. And I just think as a film-going audience, you expect a little bit more. This was a $40 million movie, $40 million return. So it's split. Not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's hard enough to make a million dollars, let's be honest. 40, 40 million for your Nicolas Cage remake, sure. So... Would I put this in like worse movies, worse remakes, worse anything? I definitely wouldn't because if you don't want to watch the 1973 movie, which was made in 1973, 
and you want an updated version of it, sure. Now, the original works in, in a very unlikely way. It's impossible to replicate type thing. It's very much like a Ghostbusters. So this is why remakes are important. They do shed light on the original, but they also educate us on why things are there. We need these remakes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, even Coca-Cola updates their recipes. Oreo updates their recipes. I remember the craziness of Oreo moving away from a Mexican factory and and so changing some of their their um, manufacturing process and the, the cookies tasted difference and, and people went 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 nuts. The original Wicker Man is our Oreo. That's why it's important. This Nicholas Cage in this movie, this movie would only get made if it wasn't for Nicholas Cage. That's important. It's important that we have like a remake of Psycho. Because if we don't want to watch the original, which is old, old things don't resonate when you try and watch them. I, I don't know how many times I can say this. People want to watch the uh, Sopranos. Nobody wants to watch Hill Street Blues. They just they don't. They don't even want to watch NYPD Blue. Think about that. They don't. No one. Nobody wants to watch your old shit. So this movie makes that point. It makes that point when you watch it. it makes a point when you watch them back to back. Now, pre the previous episode. Now, real quick though, this movie has iconography. It has visual. It has this trippiness. The extended different cut of this movie can maybe deliver some of those things better visually this movie goes for it and i do like i like that like it really goes for it i feel like some information is missing because we see things and we just really don't quite know and the you know like the the combination of shots i'll say don't build into some of this anxiety very well see I'm not saying editing. That's a platitude. I'm, I'm giving you a description, a descriptor of where some of these moments could have fallen flat. So anyway, previous episode, I mentioned the Wicker Tree. Now, since then, I tried watching the Wicker Tree, hoping to plug it in today or to plug it into one of the missing scream slots. And here's the crazy thing. Okay, the wicker tree potentially is absolutely unwatchable. I went into that believing, <laughs> based on the strength of the wicker man, 1973, that Robin Hardy, our director, was a little bit of a, um, you know, like a uh, Bobby Fosset, who directed five movies that were all incredible cabaret. Star 80, all that jazz. He he just directed a handful of movies and each one is a masterpiece. I was hoping for that. But no. Um that's I'm gonna try and watch it again. If if it's worth speaking of, I will. If not, just expect new updates for the Scream episodes. Maybe the, the new Halloween, what drops this Friday. Halloween Revenge Return. <laughs> Michael Myers coming from a fire to kill you. I think that's what they call that one. Um, we'll be doing that. But look, everyone, 31 Days of Dread. Next episode will be Frailty. 
one of my bucket list movies directed by Bill Paxton, starring the great, the magnificent Matthew McConaughey. Frailty. Let's get ready for it. And to continue this telethon, we're not talking about high five. There's other ways to support me. I, I'm a living professional. I'm a full-time freelancer. Anything you see on this, like here on this podcast or see my social media, I, I make everything. It's all made by me. That's a part of my pitch to you. And you can purchase professional services through akapad.com. That's a pipeline to me if you want to send me a message. But also while you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter. You're going to get deals. You're going to get coupons. You're going to get two free trading cards mailed to you free worldwide. And there are two Wolfpack trading cards, two original characters, you know, for upcoming comic book work. And speaking of comic books, you can go to Etsy, type in Uzi Susie, and that's where you're going to find my mini comic. You can purchase existing issues and pre-order upcoming issues along with bundles if you missed any like issue one, two, or three or whatever. There, Uzi Susie is waiting for you. And keep an eye on Indiegogo. A lot of my bigger comic book projects will be available through Indiegogo. All of those updates will be here on this podcast. So if you're a regular listener, I'll let you know. We can rock and roll from there. So everyone... Thank you so much, and feel free to reach out to me on social media, aka Pad69, Instagram, and Xbox. That's right, you can play Halo with me. Just straight up aka Pad on Twitter, straight up aka Pad on the Facebook. My business page is there, my personal page is there. Hey, be a personal friend of mine. I don't care. Let's talk movies, let's talk creativity, let's talk fun, and just who cares? Do you like, you know, the Transformer movies? I love them. We can talk about that all night. So meet me there and we'll rock and roll. Let's get talking. We got a movie to discuss.